0: This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, please feel free to check out other episodes and subscribe to keep up with the latest ones. It's been clear ever since she released her self produced first solo album, Violet Touch, 15 years ago that Australian guitarist Orianthi was destined to light up stages around the world. Since that time, she was personally picked by Michael Jackson for his This Is It concerts and appears in the film. She toured the world with Alice Cooper twice and then teamed up with former Bon Jovi guitarist Richie Sambora for four years of recording and touring in their group, RSO. Her fourth and latest solo album is called Oh. It's her first in seven years and is due out November 6th and it showcases her dazzling six string skills and signature penchant for combining bluesy licks, hard rock attitude, and some pop hooks. Outside of the studio and off stage, Orianti loves cooking and traveling. For this episode of Side Jams, we discussed how she grew up with the Greek cuisine of her grandmother, her current pescatarian diet, her passion for creating feasts for family and friends, and how she makes sure to truly see the world while she's out on tour. From those topics, our conversation veered into the overall life lessons and wisdom she has accumulated throughout her journey in music, and how she has found balance in her life while continuing to reaffirm her love for guitar. I had read that you actually like cooking and traveling.
1: I do. I'm a big cook, yes, because um, I'm half Greek. So growing up with a Greek grandma, she's from Greece. I started cooking at a very early age, and I really enjoy it. I'm actually going to be starting a cooking show really soon, too. I've been saying that for a long time. That really now's a perfect time. Yeah. So we're going to start filming that pretty soon and uh, put some stuff up because um, it's going to be pretty funny. But I love cooking. I'm a, you know, I'm really passionate about it. Everyone that knows me, my dear friends everybody my family i'm always just putting on like large sort of viking feasts for everybody so i'm like come around and you know i just like to cook up and it's actually a meditation for me too because um you get lost in it you know and that's all you focus on it's just like preparing everything and making good healthy meals and bringing people together and it's something that i grew up doing with my family it's just like being around like a lot of food and it was pretty healthy i mean you know greek food's pretty healthy but I just love it. I really do. And so I try to make like healthier alternatives to things as well. Like people like hot dogs. So I make it with whether it be the stuff with no nitrates and just like whole wheat buns and different, you know, things. Or I do like the, the, the po, like, for what you call it. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like the um, meatless kind of situation. So I kind of do different things. I love making pizzas from scratch. Everyone loves my sea bass. I mean, I'm pretty much a pescatarian. Like, I do – I was completely vegan for a while, so I was cooking right. all the of vegan dishes. But, you know, I'm a runner. i really into fitness as well and all that kind of stuff. So I run about six miles a day uh, to eight miles. And um, being vegan doesn't really support that for me.
2: I'm curious. How come?
1: Being vegan? Um, well, no, just, I, mean, I mean, as far as the
2: running. You say it doesn't fit your running lifestyle.
1: It doesn't. Eating way too many beans. <laughs> 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 you know? Uh, Not the most social of uh, foods because, you know, you need protein, especially the thing is I started running quite some time ago, but when I went vegan and I was running like, I think it was like seven miles, eight miles a day up to nine, I was very thin. I actually was like 92 pounds at one point and I was eating a lot, right? But I just couldn't eat anymore. You know, there's just so so many avocados, you can eat so many things. So I just got to have my salmon. I've got to have the meat and everything. And I just feel better for it. But that's not saying that it doesn't work for a lot of other people to be completely vegan. You know what I mean? It's just your body type. So, yeah. You know, I went to a doctor, like a holistic doctor, to the blood type samples, and they see what you're allergic to, what's good for you, and um, they really changed me, like my my life really, and and the way I feel because before I was eating a lot of dairy, I was eating a lot of things that made me not feel well. You know, and I didn't know why. So I highly recommend you to go do that check it out because um, so I have a little passion for the cooking and all of that. But now I cook foods that I enjoy it, but I feel good afterwards as well.
2: Well, that's something I think that the family meal is a ritual that seems to be disappearing, at least in American life.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know about other countries, but it feels like they're, you hear less and less. So during the pandemic, it's obviously very different. People are together probably way too much now.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: What was the family dining ritual like when you were growing up?
1: Oh, I mean, my grandma would always cook a lot. Um, my parents were working a lot and so my mum would be cooking on the weekends and cook as much as she could during the week, you know, she came home earlier but yeah, it was off and on and, and, and so I'd be, got home from school and I would be hanging out with my grandma and she'd be teaching me how to cook Greek meals and, and different things and, um, and then my mum taught me as well so it was a combination and um, we would all get together especially, you know, over the weekends and just sit at a big you know, long table with everyone there and then would have like get togethers with, you know, aunties, uncles, cousins, friends, and a real togetherness vibe, you know what I mean? Like just enjoying food together, but just having good conversations, just connecting, um, having fun, I mean, and, and sharing. There's a lot of love there. And I think that having that, you know, it is lost today because we have our phones which are always with us and different things that are distracting and, and that connection is sometimes lost and Getting back to just, I mean, I like to turn off my phone here and there, you know, yeah. and people get annoyed with me, like, why aren't you responding, why aren't you, because it's like, I need to disconnect, you know what I mean, it's like, you just got to be present and right, I think this whole situation of 2020, what has happened, is that people have sort of gone, okay, well, it's like, what means the most to you, you know what I mean, and that's the thing, I, I see a lot of my friends and just people around going, really taking a, a look at their lives and kind of just analysing, like, you know what I mean? Your friends, your like, everything, like what means the most because there's just so, so much uncertainty going on right now. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just think that connection is a really important thing. So, hanging out with the people that just, you love to be around that higher your vibrations and the ones that don't, eliminating them out of your life. That sounds really harsh, but, but yeah, kind of doing that.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, and when I was talking to Jeff Pilsen about meditation, about toxins, you know, there are people that qualify for that. I mean, it, it's, it's, As I'm getting older and you're seeing, especially the immaturity of of my, I'm Gen X, my generation on Facebook and things like that. I get to a certain point, like, you know, I may have known certain people a while, but you just got to get to a point you have to decide what's, is it worth the effort?
1: hundred percent, yeah.
2: There's not many of those people I've had in my life ever. I've actually been very selective with the people I I let in. I know a lot of people, but the people that are close to me are very special.
1: Same. Um, And honestly, that's what I've actually been doing this year and the ones that have kind of gone away or... You know, you kind of find out that you, who your true friends are, I think. You know what I mean? Like, this year has been definitely that for me. I found who's really there, who's just all for themselves, who's, you know what I mean, like, all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, the parties aren't happening. You know what I mean? The concerts aren't happening. The, the hangouts yeah. aren't. So I see who has, you know, you know what I mean? Like, before it was like, come and hang out at this Sunset i and we'll be playing with all these people. And then people come along, right? And it's this whole party thing. And then when – and, yeah, it's definitely been – very interesting for me to find out who the real ones are and and also how i feel about people in my life and just everything so it's been a very centering kind of weird year and i can't believe it's already is nearly over too it's like it's crazy <laughs> you
2: have to be careful you have to judge people especially if they don't love your sea bass that's it
1: well that's the main <laughs> thing you know that's the main thing if people don't like my sea bass there's the door
2: <laughs> there you go
1: <laughs> get out of here <laughs>
2: what was your grandmother's signature dish, and did you learn it?
1: You know, she made a lot of different Greek dishes, especially like there's this uh, this Greek dish that she makes all the time, and, and uh, what was it called? It's like this, uh, gosh, now it's gone from my head right now. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the name of it, but it's like it's an egg whites, right? And you and you beat the egg whites, and you put it on top of this rice and chicken mm-hmm. stock. Um, it will come to me, and someone will tell me what it is. And my sister just made it the other day, but it's really good. And she taught me how to make that. And then a ton of just different things. Like how to cook chicken properly with the right seasoning, how to make euros and all that stuff. I mean, I, I love all that stuff.
2: Obviously, when, when you have been on the road a lot, because you've toured a lot, how much cooking can you get done? How much do you cook for yourself?
1: On the road, it depends. I mean, um, some of the time, you know, you get hotel rooms that actually have mini kitchens in them, right? Or the bus, you know, you can microwave stuff and sort of prepare things. So I usually go into like, Whole Foods is my thing, and I put together salads, or I put together different things, and, you know, I mean, it's really hard, obviously, on the road to cook, you know, because I mean, you don't have a full-on kitchen, but I sort of make do with what I can on, on the bus, or even um, before shows, I go into catering and see if they can prepare things for me a certain way, and I sit there with the chef and I used to do it all the time, and go in there, But before I was obsessed with eating chicken, and I was on the road with yeah. and then prior to that, too, everyone was like, just tons of chicken, like, I don't know, and I just stopped eating it because of the fact that I love animals a lot and the way that they're treated, and just I watched this horrendous documentary actually, um, which put me off eating meat for the rest of my life. Oh, wow! I don't remember the name of it, but yeah, <laughs> it, it was. It came up actually. My mum came over and she was sitting with me, and she was like, "Oh God!" and and I was just feeling nauseous. And I mean, she she continues to eat meat; it didn't affect her as much, only because she needs it, I guess, like for the iron and everything. But and, and you know, I just feel better not not eating chicken or red meat or anything I just do but I said, everyone's different and I will still cook it for other people you know um I don't judge anyone for what they eat because I'm not like you know I can sometimes be like the food police (laughs) you know (laughs) uh and I'm like that with like my partner and and my you know my family when I go home I'm like what are you eating what's this and you know they they get all mad with me they're like just let me do what I want to do and I'm going okay just saying you know (laughs)
2: I think this pandemic, especially now, people are still still going out to eat here in New York. I mean, My girlfriend and I have gone out to a few places outside, not many. We're still fairly wary of a lot of the setups. Do you think this pandemic is going to affect the way people view cooking, like when they're going to restaurants and the type of food they're being served?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, this whole thing is like, I got really freaked out, actually, with eating out and, and ordering takeout, right? For, I don't even know, in the past, like, three or four months, I started eating takeout. Right, but it took me yeah. a lot. Even the first thing of like sushi I ordered, I was like freaked out, I was like washing everything. I'm going, like, okay. Yeah. But apparently, it doesn't live on food. So I don't know. It's just like washing your hands, taking it out of the packaging. I haven't actually eaten out at a restaurant yet. So I've just taken, I've just ordered in
2: we've done a lot of that actually and you know we, w- we sort of wipe down everything and you know, all the plastic containers and everything because you, you just don't know as you know i'm I'm a bit older than you so as you get older your body reacts to food differently and you really start you can tell when you've gone to a good restaurant if you're feeling fine afterwards and nothing affecting oh, yeah. you at all i mean it's amazing as you get older your body starts to tell you things more when you're younger you can have like in your 20s you can have the iron stomach
1: true i used to eat kfc and mcdonald's every night after playing wow. at a cup of man when i quit school when i was 15 i'd be playing out and you know, Australian pubs until I was until like 3 a.m. and then McDonald's is open, right? So you go past there or KFC and then you just and I was eating so much stuff. I even had a deep fryer. My mother bought me one for my birthday. I said, I want a deep fryer because I used to deep fry everything and it was just like crazy. And, and I guess I just had a good metabolism and I didn't just eating and drinking bourbon and just it was terrible. Oh, wow. My lifestyle <laughs> was awful and then I decided to go completely vegan when I was like 19. 20, and then I changed again and started eating chicken again and I stopped drinking and I stopped I was just a complete health freak and then I started drinking martinis again when I was like 24 25 and I met up with uh, Dave Stewart actually it was really funny we went we did this uh, I think it was called, well it was actually set up to camp, so we had a dinner that night it was Stevie Wonder it was uh, Tina McBride, a bunch of people Chris Christopherson
2: that's a Motley crew.
1: yeah and we're all sitting around having dinner and they had you know, martinis. I'm like, oh, I'll have one. Oh my god! After that, I was like, okay, martinis was my jam, like for a while. And so I, I appreciate did, that. And you know, <laughs> I still do have my occasional martini. I do enjoy that. But yeah, I just got really stuck into drinking a lot again. And then after shows, and then I just was like, you know, oh, I feel like crap. You know what I mean? It's like you just fall into that thing of okay, paid the show, let's all celebrate and hang out. You know, especially Alice Cooper tour, and then you know my own stuff after that or whatever. And having friends over. And when you get home from tour, the party doesn't stop. The party actually begins more, right? Because people know, okay, you've made a lot of money. You know, you're, you're home. You you're, uh, you know, I had this really amazing apartment at the time, like right in West Hollywood. It was party central. It was like go over to Ori's place, like just, you know what I mean? It was just yeah. food, drinks, guitars, music, everything. And it was a nonstop party for, for a long time, actually, for me. And then I was just like worn out. Because a lot of people came over for the wrong reasons too. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, let's come over. Let's play some of my guitars. A lot of my guitars got damaged. My apartment was damaged. Like things were smashed. It was just, it was awful actually afterwards. Because I, I, when you know, you, you just go, okay, yeah, yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> so
3: yeah,
2: it's yeah, it's hard to judge. Well, yeah, in this business, especially once you get to your level, you know, you have to be careful who you pick as a friend. Yes. I've always been very careful even now. I'm a private person. I like to go out. I don't tend to have people over that much. Mm-hmm. I like my stuff. And New York is more of a going out kind of a city anyway.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: When you've cooked on the road and on, at home, are there, I'm assuming the types of things you cook in those two places are very different.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously when you're traveling overseas and doing different things and uh, I always go into uh, catering and I have a certain you know, dietary kind of thing that change all the time. but at first it was like burnt chicken with vegetables and different things and rice and that kind of stuff and and then uh it changed again to salmon and it changed again and I just had all these different things I had this like endorsement with this perky jerky it was called right it was like jerky with um like caffeine in it and I used to have that all the time and I you know everything just changed like honestly throughout the years I go through phases immensely so um but now, you know, everything's very balanced through experience and what works, and um, I can't wait to start doing a cooking show, really. So.
2: What are the kind of things you like to cook on the show?
1: Well, it's going to be a surprise.
2: <laughs> Have you been cooking in the past? Maybe that's not on the show, but stuff that you normally like to cook.
1: Oh, I mean, as I said, like pizzas from scratch. I yeah. love making, you know, different sort of, whether they be even vegan pizzas or they be like, you know, people obviously love a lot of cheese on their pizzas, so I just do a lot of different things. And then... A lot of different salmon dishes, fish. I mean, there's just a whole barrage of things from turkey burgers to everything that's kind of like from curries to casseroles to bakes. There's so many different things i am be making, honestly. There's like a whole list of stuff I love to eat. I love to make mahi tacos. Mm. Yeah, I, and sweet potato fries, a ton of things I just love that are easy to make, but are kind of just like just really healthy things, you know. Are you a dessert person? Sort of, yeah. I mean, I, I like to make sort of the I guess the nice cream they call it, right? So you just get – you blend up a ton of things and you put it in the freezer. Like I like to put like cacao with like different berries and then coconut milk and then you mix it all up and you put it in the refrigerator. and It becomes this like amazing ice cream situation. So, yeah, stuff like that. But I'm not a big dessert. I mean carrot cake, yeah, I get some from uh, Whole Foods, which I really like. But it's got wheat in it and I'm, I'm actually pretty much uh, gluten intolerant, So I only have it here and there. Yeah. I enjoy it so much that I know that, you know, I'm going to feel like shit afterwards, but it's worth it. <laughs> well, you know, my
2: mother is gluten insensitive. So when we went to Spain a few years ago for like 10 days or so, she could eat whatever she wanted because there's none of that Monsanto stuff over there. There isn't GMOs. It was yeah. such a huge difference. And when you're cooking overseas, do you find the there's things and things you can make that you can't make over here?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. In Australia too. It's very different um, from even here in America.
2: What would be like one example of maybe something you it's easier better easier for you to cook somewhere else or better for you to cook somewhere else?
1: Um God, I mean just buying food sometimes in Australia, like even like going to the supermarket and buying fruits and buying vegetables, it's just different than buying them here. I don't know why. It's the grounds or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be organic, but things are just like they're just different. Like I don't even know how to explain it, they taste different.
2: The meat tastes different in Europe for sure.
1: Europe for sure. I mean, you know, I love Rome and traveling around and and going to different restaurants there and finding these little like family-owned like restaurants in Italy and you know they just cook incredible like gluten-free pasta things or just like anything you want really and and it's amazing because they're old family recipes you know.
2: Are you someone who likes to cook like big elaborate meals or are you more the quick and easy or is it kind of in the middle is there a certain time frame that you have that you have available to cook?
1: Yeah usually it's on the fly like it's funny. Some days I'd be like, you know, I'm in a cooking mood. So i will just do a banquet. And when I used to get off the road before, I, I'm pretty, like, erratic sometimes. <laughs> like, <impulse comes laughs> I'm like, hey, guys, I just cooked up a feast. Who's around? And and uh, then I'd have, like, ten people over. You know what I mean? Like, because I would have the impulse to just cook up a banquet. And it would be within a few hours. I'm like, all right, I'm putting on dinner tonight. You guys want to come around? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. So, you know. And sometimes it's planned. Like, okay, this weekend I'm making a, a feast of, like, just – so many different things. But it'd be like you know, from Chinese food to like I would do everything, literally like tacos and pizzas, and oh. and then I'll grilled fish, and then I'll do maybe like roasted chicken with like lemon and then capers and all this different stuff, and then I'll do it's amazing this pita bread I do with like this Greek seasoning and tzatziki like dip and everything on the side, and then like just so much stuff. And the, the baked sea bass I do was really good with all these lemon pepper potatoes which I put like I don't know I just love doing all that kind of stuff and different salads and kale and cranberry and apple and I just like mix things up you know it's all about color and for it to look really good too you know apart from it it tasting really good
2: like I'm not a wine drinker so I've never understood the whole wine pairing thing is that something you're into or like if you do your show are you gonna have to sort of do the wine pairings with whatever food you're making
1: I'm not a big wine drinker either I think I did What happened was when I was younger, uh, I used to play different weddings and stuff like that. We used to go out to the country and they used to give us a lot of red wine. And I'm just over it. I used to get so drunk. (laughs) I used to get so drunk when I was like 16, 17, like drinking this wine. And then uh, now it's just like white wine is nice here and there you know but it's not like oh i need a glass of wine you know what i mean if it's like oh i need a drink then it's a shot of vodka or something it's a shot of tequila like i get straight to the point (laughs) i (laughs) I don't have the time let's go (laughs) yeah like the thing is if if i go i need a drink like it's been a stressful day which is here and there i'm not gonna drink wine that's not gonna do anything (laughs) sorry (laughs) but you know you have a shot or two or something that's that's for me anyway i guess over the years my liver is just like I need something strong, you know, at this point, you know, to actually for it to do anything. That's why I just kind of refrain from drinking mm. as much as I can. Mm. I'm more into, like, edibles and stuff like that, to be honest with you. Like, you know, I think CBD has changed my life, to be honest. How so? Indica, stuff like that. I got rid of my migraines, got rid of um, my sleeping problems, a ton of things. Like, And people look down upon it like, oh, you know, you, you do. You, it's like, no, I don't smoke when I wake up at my can bake or anything like that. By any means, but to fall asleep, I do take these like gummies that have CBD in them and Indica, and it just puts me. You know what I mean? Especially when yeah, I've got yeah. my work done and whatnot. I don't do it before like business calls or like performances where I'm just like stoned out of my mind. Like some people can, and that's great. And I don't judge anyone. I don't. Know, it's a weird thing. It's like no one's died from doing weed. People have died from drinking. People have died from smoking. a cigarette. Yeah. But there's this thing that's associated with it you know what i mean it's bizarre actually i find it to be very weird um well but, alcohol is
2: like the worst drug possibly and in some cases because people consume it more on a regular basis and do a lot of stupid things and it, it, it kills your brain cells after a while
1: yeah and and with weed no one's died from it unless they just have a crazy idea and go with it you know what I mean? <laughs> like oh i'm so stoned i'm gonna jump out of a plane without a parachute or something you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, no one's done anything no one's like smoked so much weed or you know what I mean, had too many edibles that died. I just fall asleep. So yeah.
2: Well I think also touring with Alice Cooper, I mean, he's he's a rocker with a reputation, but he's straight laced. I mean, you know, he takes he takes what he does seriously. He already knows about all the craziness from the past and now it's all about the music. Yeah. So I imagine that was a good training ground for you.
1: Oh, absolutely. Alice is one of the most level people that I've ever met really in this industry because he's been through it all i mean you know he's he was in a he told me he was like in a mental at one point you know um and he went through a lot of crazy ups and downs but an incredible incredible person incredible entertainer just everything that you know i learned he gave 110 percent in the same mood every day and he's got his shit together like completely together and has for a very long time his family are amazing the band are amazing I had the most incredible time with Alice and, and everybody and just so professional, you know what I mean? And as I said, you can go through crazy times in the seventies or whatever, yeah. 60s, but, um, Alice now, I mean, he's just a solid human being, performer, artist, everything. He just taught me to be, I mean, he encouraged me to be the best I could be and just and get better and better. And I always look at Alice and Michael Jackson and all these people, like just as huge, inspirations yeah. and role models because they just have been through it all and they kept so centered and um, together and professional and that's what it's all about I well, know I
2: think it's cool you know and I mean I'm enjoying the new album you know it's it's I like I like your rockier stuff the rockier mm-hmm. stuff and, and it's interesting though because then there's a track I wanted to point out that there was a track company which has a bit of that atmospheric vibe which makes me think of violet journey going back way to the early days
1: oh yeah yeah that record I made myself in my home studio and did everything myself actually for that record it, sound, it
2: sounds really good I'm, I'm i'm just kind of shocked it's not on spotify oh uh, violet
1: journey yeah i don't think it is i don't think it um you know what i'm actually going to remaster that there's a few things i want to change sound wise because i you know i did it on a roll in 2480 myself and uh it's pretty old school <laughs> so yeah a lot of people have been asking about that record and they really want to own it so that could be in the works later. I want to look at doing that for sure.
2: I know you said you like, to, you like to travel. I mean, do you get to actually see the world? Some people get to see the tour bus in the back of a venue, but do you actually actively go out and sightsee and do things or take side trips while you're out on the road?
1: Yeah, as much as possible for sure. Um, it's good to have a few days here on and off and, um, you know, especially in Japan. I've seen a lot of Japan. I love that. Tokyo. I brought my sister out a lot. You know, she came out to uh, France with me and Germany and Switzerland and, hawaii and nashville and la and and she's been every, she's been pretty much around the world with me my sister and um having friends come out to, to about it's nice to have a few days off so you can experience a city have a feel for it before you play some shows absolutely
2: you think it actually helps with your performances sometimes to be plugged into the culture that you're in at that moment
1: it makes you more present for sure that way you know your audience and, and where they're from and have a more sense of sense of the place and it just being another show for sure
2: I remember I got sent on a junket to Denmark to interview a band and I, the last morning I was there and I found out it was a museum with a Magritte exhibit and I would basically have about enough time to go there and back and then get to the airport and I'm like oh screw it I'll do it Yeah. <laughs> and I was like what would have happened if I had missed that train like have you ever done anything like that where you just really cut it close because you had to see something
1: yeah quite a few times but for some reason I've always <laughs> made the plane except for one time in Nashville I don't know what happened and I was making the record with Dave Stewart. And um, me and my sister, we were looking at something. I remember what it was, some exhibit. Because I have so much stuff going on in that airport. I don't even know. I think someone was playing or I don't even know what was yeah. going on. And we missed a plane. <laughs> <Call him laughs> that was the only time. That was really funny. Uh, but, you know, got a plane later anyways. It worked out. But that the only time I can really recall missing something. <laughs>
2: When I when I go on a trip, I try to plan everything out because I have some friends that will like you know they'll say, "Well, we'll figure it out when we get there." I'm like, "No, I actually kind of like do want to have a basic idea of what I'm doing because I don't want to waste the time when I'm actually." Do you ever do you ever have a set itinerary or do you just kind of go with the flow and just walk out of the hotel?
1: Yeah, I'm, which is what I do
2: initially, actually.
1: I'm pretty much like that. Like you know, for me, a day consists of like getting up, eating like a beast because I eat a lot of food in the morning, having my coffees. Doing my emails, sorting out some stuff, going to the gym for about an hour or something. Right. Getting half ready, go out for a walk, right, for about an hour or so, check out the place I'm at, get back, get ready for sound check, get ready for the show, play the show. That would be a usual day. You know what I mean? Like I like it like about an hour or so, a couple of hours to just check out the city with my assistant or band, whatever, you know, and just going out security depending on which place we're at you know um yeah. alice cooper used to love walking around and shopping for hours that would be his thing before a show
3: really? so
1: we would join him with that you know after he's playing golf every day and then for me like when i'm on the tour by myself like with my band it would be let's go to a mall or let's go to the gym first and then um you know just check out different places so it always be very random really but I, I have my set routine for myself like which is a lot of food, a lot of coffee, work out, walk, and then I'm good.
2: What's the most unusual place you've discovered on, on tour or even on a trip?
1: God, um, so many different places. I mean, we toured extensively around Germany for uh, uh, Rock Mix, Classic. I think we went to every city in Germany. It was like a month's tour. Alice Cooper, myself, and an orchestra. Uriah Heap and a bunch of people.
2: Oh, wow. I love them.
1: Yeah, and my sister came on that. We were in um, a bus and we went to so many different places and I actually had, I had <laughs> went to this one city which I'd never heard of before and I had my wisdom tooth pulled out before a show. Ouch. <laughs> it was a pretty <laughs> set. I didn't even know, what, but it had amazing museums. I remember we were going to a museum, had all these old instruments and old paintings and stuff and then I had a really bad pain in my tooth and I'm like, with my sister, I'm like, holy shit, I have to go see a, de- a dentist and they were like, got to put, get this thing wrenched out and i was like no not before a show and then and it was really dramatic and crazy but uh we got to check out this really cool city which i cannot remember the name of it and then i get my wisdom tooth wrenched out and i played that show on german painkillers oh i can't remember a couple of those shows but <laughs> so that was, that was the time you didn't
2: intend to be high and you were like whoa
1: yeah that was strong gotta tell you holy shit
2: <laughs> well and you're someone who sounds like you sound like you like to be present in whatever you're doing
1: I do, and thank God, touring with Alice extensively, I have muscle memory for all those songs, so being on those painkillers for you know a couple of days because my face was swollen, like, they, they wrenched it, you know, and then actually <laughs> the lady, when she wrenched it out, she's not speak English, and she, she like wrenches it out. she goes, oh, fuck. fuck." <laughs> you know like, "Fuck." And <laughs> she pulls my tooth up, right?' bleeding. Oh. And I nearly pass out. Like, it was horrendous. And then they give me the, the German painkillers and then I have to play the show. And my face was like literally like bruised, it's swollen for like two or three days actually from that experience. Um, yeah, that was interesting. But as I said, I knew the songs so well that I still played them perfectly, uh, even though I was I was out to lunch somewhere. I don't know.
2: <laughs> Tying in your love of cooking and traveling, I mean, is there sort of an itinerary you have to try new food, or there's things that probably certain things you can't eat since you said you're you're wheat sensitive. So like, is is there a methodology you have when you're out on the road picking places to eat?
1: Definitely. I just, I look up health food places or I ask like the local runners or people that are helping out catering, like where's a health food store? I like, can go down and get, you know, a bunch of stuff from, and they usually guide me there or take me there. And I stock up, fill up the uh, tour bus with healthy vegan snacks and different things. You know what I mean? Like I just, I love that, you know, that stuff makes me happy, which is weird, but I like it.
2: <laughs> what was the most unusual meal you ever had out on a trip?
1: Probably like, quail eggs, Scandinavian food in Japan. It was really weird. We were really? in Japan for some event and then I was starving and then the, the promoter wanted to celebrate a Scandinavian restaurant in Japan and they served us quail eggs raw as the appetizer with this strange strange situation. I don't even know what the fuck it was, to be honest. I didn't eat it. I was so <laughs> hungry and my sister was there too and we were like, oh my God, what is this? And everyone was like fucking starving. And then they brought out these other things that, like, you know, the, the little like entrees and the meals come out in like 10 different servings. It's like oh, on yeah. your plates and it's very like artistic. Yeah. It's like little like artistic things. I'm like, <laughs> at that point when you're really hungry, you're, like, yeah, I just want food. I want like good food, like a nice big freaking filet of like salmon with some fucking freaking
3: rice and vegetables <laughs> and things
1: and bread and, you know, that'd be nice. Not, little quail eggs with freaking sauces and delicate I did not even know what the hell I was eating crickets I don't even know um
2: well you're adventurous <laughs> oh you were yeah, hungry
1: yeah <laughs> but not like that 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 stuff freaks me out I'm like no no no, it's not meant to be eaten like I just didn't grow up eating that I suppose I suppose if you grow up eating crickets and quail eggs and and frogs and stuff like that then you're used to it right and it's not yeah. weird but it's weird to me very weird I know
2: Tying all this stuff together, like between the cooking and traveling and touring and being a musician, if you were to talk to a younger musician that wanted to follow in your footsteps to explain to them about the business, but also being able to appreciate life in general, is there any sort of advice from everything that you've learned as far as being able to balance all of these different things together?
1: Finding inner peace is the most important thing, because if you take upon everything that everyone says to you, whether it be good or bad, it's all a projection, right? So mm. take nothing personally. Just keep on reminding yourself as to why you're doing it. And when you pick up that guitar for the first time, you pick up the piano or the drums, the innocence behind that and the reason why you play it and you sit alone. And I have to do this sometimes. I sit alone with no distraction. I turn off my phone, sit with my guitar. And I go, this this is what I'm in this industry for because I love playing the guitar. I love creating. This brings me peace. It makes me feel aligned. It brings me light energy, purpose. I think that if you get caught up with other people and other things, it's very toxic. And I, I've fallen victim to that many times and I can get wound up like nobody. I can, you know, people can, and this used to happen to me a lot before. People used to love to push my buttons, yeah. do different things on my team, knew how to get to me, right? Knew it because coming off of, you know, plane from Australia and being thrown into a major label situation where, you know, label spending like millions of dollars on things and you have a team of people you're paying, like, thousands of dollars to stylists and hair and and they get in your head and it's their own insecurity but they put it on you so you make them makes you feel like you need them around right Mm, and they do this whole play and it's like insanity on the high seas and then you go no i don't need this i could i don't need any of this you know the end of the day it's like you can do your own hair makeup you can do your own everything but it's nice to have the help of course and all that stuff but when these people come into your life and they start putting seas of insecurity into you it's i see it happen to so many people around and it happened to me it's a weird play and everyone's got their own shit right but i think that
3: yeah. it's
1: important to find inner peace i cannot stress that enough and i would tell my younger self to do that instead of reacting because i used to react a lot more than i do now now i just like go okay give it a minute okay figure it out in my head as opposed to oh, my God, this is the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing out of anxiety. Yeah. Because it can get built up and as an artist, we take on things. And I'm an empath. I take on other people's stuff as well. So it's like I feel everything on a, on, a, on a deep level as a lot of people do. But when you take that on all the time, it's very draining. It's very draining. So it's about preserving your energy, being there, being a good friend, being a, a good you know leader and, and boss and everything when it comes to like going out the road and having the right people around you and just knowing having. Oh, you got a few dogs going on there
2: yeah you can hear them in the background
1: <laughs> the what kind of dogs have you got
2: they're not mine actually it's my next door neighbors but we literally you know I can just see right into their driveway
1: Oh. it's oh. funny <laughs>
2: some of the plots here so yeah <laughs> sorry about that
1: oh no it's all good I, I miss my dogs in Australia actually I have a uh, Pomeranian and a and I've actually bought them out here but I was on tour so I had to send them to my parents so they take care of them right now I have a cat out here
2: so when was the last time you saw your dogs?
1: Um, I saw them about, God, about 10 months ago. Yeah. About 11 months ago, something like that, yeah.
2: Know. That'll be a reunion.
1: Yeah, they're getting older now. They're about 17 years old, so oh, wow. pretty old. They're hundreds, I think.
2: <laughs> getting back to saying you were saying about not taking things personally and kind of just sort of uh,
1: Yeah,
2: re- thinking, things, thinking things through and not reacting right away.
1: Absolutely. The Four Agreements is a great book, and I recommend that to anybody that wants to – really finding a piece and and make sense of a lot of things around and and different perception and reality because i think once you change your perception everything else can change around you like less paranoia less oh i have to be a certain way just be you you know what i mean there's only one of all of us right so we've all gotta we've all got different things we've got to figure out and fight and battles and you know everyone's got different shit. so I think that honestly being kind to each other and just being accepting and living with an open heart. And um, unless you're an asshole, you know
2: what I mean? (laughs) Exactly.
1: And that's the thing. I'm pretty much, hey, my heart's open. And and I I try to like and love everyone that I can, but except for the assholes. And there are quite a few people that are just very dark energy and very bitter and have just fallen into that pit. And you just can't allow that energy into your circle. It's very, uh, it, it can fuck up your life. I can honestly say that it really can. And you don't want to waste anyone's time and you don't want people to waste yours.
2: Exactly. And I imagine that means also when you're doing a lot of your adventures away from the venue on tour, when you're doing cooking and everything else, that's also therapeutic to help clear your mind.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I hang out with people that are upbeat generally and just have the similar sort of view on life and things that I do. So, yeah.
2: So now you have a cooking show and then eventually we're going to have just your own guide to life. It'll just be a separate YouTube channel with your, your
1: philosophy. Like a Russell brand thing <laughs> 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 I think what he's doing is great, actually. I, I actually met up with uh, Russell Brand at the Music Cares, and I told him I thought it was great because he's such a you know great personality and the way that he flames things and how is his spiritual journey and how to center yourself and how to deal with different situations you know in different ways and I think it's really interesting, and I think that a lot of, he has a lot of followers because of the way yeah. you know everything that he's been through and how he's changed his life around and all of that, so yeah.
2: I saw him do a stand-up, like a one-man show out here on Long Island a few years ago, and it was interesting, especially because it's a more conservative audience out here, and he was kind of making fun of the Fox News crowd. But they seem to take it okay. But he kind of just walked out into the audience, walked over people's rows. He just kind of gets out there, and he's not afraid of people.
1: No. Um, But he's also
2: trying to tell you that, you know, maybe you need to think about things a little differently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, that's the way that I think that as you get older, um, when I was actually really... I think I was about 13, 14. I was very spiritual. I was into all of that kind of stuff. And then as soon as I kind of moved over to America and got stuck in the circus of crazy people, to be honest with you, Yeah. and the crazy circus, I, you know, I'm not going to say that I didn't have some depression, anxiety issues, all this stuff. I had to sort out because I was like, what the hell is going on? You know what I mean? It's like you've got to be perfect. You've got to be this. You've got to be that. And you never feel good enough, right? And, and then it's just like, wait a second, who am I trying to be here? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just like the bars always put higher and higher and you're working with a bunch of narcissistic assholes sometimes. And, and some people are lovely, but it's just finding those lovely people that hire a high vibe kind of group to be around and um, all of that because it's not easy. And then you get the trolls online as well.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm over that.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of crap there. So generally now I just go, oh, well, that person's miserable, clearly. And they say mean things. I'm going, well, if I don't like something, I just don't pay attention to it. Whatever. So the people that just put so much hate and energy into things that I don't like, I'm going, guys, there's something wrong with you. Nothing wrong with me. If you don't like what I'm doing, then go find something else. But the fact that you're actually writing, spending the time to write how much you hate what I'm doing. (laughs) I was like, really? (laughs) What else else are they doing right now? Yeah, I mean, what are you doing? You could be putting that energy into something. Fabulous if you think I'm so awful <laughs> you
2: know? this is the immaturity of our times. This is why i, I, I it makes know.
1: me laugh though I'm like going some people would go to great lengths to write small novels to me on how much they dislike something I've done, or you know oh, she's just a girl guitar player or she's you know what I mean she's getting attention because she's a girl and and just uh, and, and, and so yeah. funny, and all this other stuff I'm going, okay. Awesome, great, whatever. If you don't like anything, just go and go, go and bask in something you do like, for God's sake. Life is short. Like, why are you, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know, weird. It actually makes me kind of weirded out.
2: Well, you, it sounds like you, have, you found mentally, you found, the, emotionally, you found the right balance now to deal with things. That's yeah, true.
1: it's like I just kind of have given less shits about things. You know what I mean? As you get older, you have less shits to give. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I've I found more peace in that and I, and the things I care about. I really care about and things that just, you know, I don't really, know. it's just like I just want to focus on. It. So, yeah.
0: Well, thank you, thank you for chatting.
1: I thank you for having me on the show and thank you for talking about other things. You know, it's, it's great. I really appreciate that.
0: That wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams. Please join me for the next installment, which will be coming soon. The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I license them through AudioSocket. As always, thank you very much for listening.